It is mid-fall of the year 2029, and four longtime friends are in the process of traveling from their routine lives and mundane occupations towards a town ripe of memories. And while only three of the friends are alumni of the college within the town, all four men are members of the same social colle collegiate fraternity, <laughs> Theta Chi. The occasion for this reunion is thanks to their fraternity moving forward with recolonizing the Eta Zeta chapter that used to be that used to exist at the university. To commemorate this occasion, the National Fraternity Office had decided to celebrate this decision during the homecoming weekend and had asked for all available brothers to try their best to attend and support the fledgling effort. Given the circumstances, the friends had decided to put aside excuses and to return back to the campus for the festivities and celebration for the chapter. Each one of them, Steve, Dan, Mark, and Eric, arrive into town at various times throughout the afternoon on Friday, but they all agreed to meet at the university center on campus at 7.45 p.m. so that they could all arrive at the same time to the scheduled private ritual that the national office had coordinated and booked in advance to celebrate the recolonization. As they all arrive, the usual greetings amongst close friends occurs and the group sets off at a hurried pace toward the university center building due to Mark being late, as usual. As they are rushing up the sidewalk, not paying attention due to harassing banter between them, the four of them collide with a frail-looking couple as they exited the building. The collision, thankful, did not cause anyone to fall or get injured. However, the entire group of six were suddenly covered in what seemed to be electric blue Mountain Dew from the to-go cups that the couple were holding as they exited the building. Shit was the general statement and consensus of the group as an assessment of the situation sank in. The couple looking back and forth at one another, seemingly annoyed and nervous at the same time while the group of friends begins to contemplate the most effective way to get the liquid off their clothes so that they won't stick and chafe while they are standing in those godforsaken robes for this ritual. The group moves past the couple who are still standing, slightly in shock, through the doors into the building. Beware! He comes! The woman shouted at the group's back as they entered the building. Carcosa is within our sights. We need to only take the step and the journey is complete. Rushing through the halls of the renovated university center, the group eventually does succeed in finding a bathroom to clean the liquid off of them. But thankfully, their clothes have dried in the time they were rushing around trying to find a place to clean them. Taking the stroke of fortune as a positive sign, the group eventually makes it to the rooms where the ritual is happening a few minutes after 8 o'clock p.m. They don the scratchy stale robes for the ritual and take places within the crowd, happy to have made it, but equally happy to not have an assigned role for this production. The ritual drones on in its typical fashion, with everyone giving the needed responses at the appropriate times until thankfully the ritual ends and everyone is let free to have the evening to themselves. The majority of the fraternity brothers absconded from the university center and found themselves at their preferred bar in town to begin reliving the glory days of their youth, long lost and forgotten to the annals of time. So to the group of four, where would you go?
I would be at the copper coin. So you leave the university center and make your way to the coin. Fortunately, there seems to be an opening at the shuffleboard table. Uh, anybody up for a game? I'll play a game. I'm down. Eric nods. Yeah. So four sure on four. Is. All right. So call out the teams. I'll play with Eric. <clears throat> so Mark, you and, all figure it out. I'm gonna get a couple pitchers. Mark and Eric already started discussing how who's gonna go long, who's gonna go short, as uh, we get our credit cards out and start pulling the sand back from the uh, the rug next to the board and sprinkling it over to make sure it's evenly distrib- distributed. Dan takes up position at the other end of the table, waiting for Steve to return with pitchers and glasses. I come back with uh, pitchers and solo cups glasses uh, and one of those nasty ham hocks that was uh, sitting behind the bar. Winner gets the pitchers, loser gets the ham hock. All right, I need from everybody a group dexterity check. We're reporting these in success and failures. So we'll start with Mark. I rolled a 10. For 10, that's a hard success, or extreme success. Eric. Eric. Failure, 79. Big failure. Dan. Uh, 35. That's a good, that's a hard success, I believe. Is that correct? Yes. All right, Steve. Coming out strong, rolled a double zero. Ooh, the full fumble. So, having to eat essentially his own words, Steve's persistent ability of knocking Dan's very good place shots off the back bar and off the sides granted him the the majesty of eating the ham hock for the for the round. As uh, Mark's extreme successes dropping them in very tightly on that back line for max points. Uh, how many rounds of pitchers you guys doing? You staying at the coin or going to another bar? Let's go to the borough. Heading back to the borough. Uh, driving or walking? Driving. Driving takes a moment because parking is a little bit hectic being the homecoming weekend, but eventually you're able to find a spot behind the fire station and make the short walk over to the borough bar. Uh, as you enter, the bar itself is packed asses to elbows in typical borough fashion. You see the old signs and the paddles hanging from the walls and ceiling. The drink the drink of the specials, the walk me down, hanging in its shitty plastic frame from the bar, still is there. Uh what's the what's the vibe? What are you guys doing at the borough? Time for shots. Dan calls for a round of shots. I slap him on the back, lead the way. I look to see if there's a table, the octagon table that would sit right in the middle, right between the dartboard, the bar, and the front door. See if that's available for the four of us to sit at. So you you notice in, in typical borough fashion, it's been sectioned off. Two or three seats claimed by a group of glasses and some purses. Somebody's jacket strung over another chair that seems to be collected next to a group of half-empty glasses. But nobody holding full, full ownership over all of the table a few chairs are open but there are other people sitting at the table you can make the awkward slide in 
but one or two of the group may have to stand. Do we know who's at the table? You do not recognize them. They seem mostly younger. Uh, not college age younger, but younger generation. I'll wait for shots before deciding about the table. All right, what's the round of shots that's ordered, Mr. Dan? Seeing that no one called them out, it's Jim Beam round. Straight, good old-fashioned beam. All right, nice call. So for the Jim Beam round, I will need everybody to make me a constitution check. Eight. Mark going strong. Eric. 56. It's a, a pass. Success. Eric stomachs it down. Dan. Uh, 43. Success. Dan stomachs it down. Steve. I start making my way towards the back, towards the bathrooms. 90. Mm, the Jim Beam just does not sit well with Steve and the ham hock and the, and the bourbon just make a very evil combination inside of his stomach as he bolts for the back. Uh, That's okay. I remember my first beer, too. <sighs> I'm going to need you to make an appearance save for me, Steve. And I'm going to need you to make that at disadvantage because of how crowded the bar is. Oh, you got me fucking kidding me. Hundred. <sighs> You manage to not throw up on everybody, <laughs> but, there, but there is a select group of people that just cannot get out of the way, and there are... <laughs> ah! Screams come up through the back of the bar, and you all take a moment to look, and at this point, you guys going to keep moving? You going to stay at the bar? Are you going to maybe let your friend get a moment to recover. Eric's going to get up and walk over to Steve, see if he's okay. How's it going, buddy? I, I never broke stride after puking. I'm heading right for that back door, like the back door into the alley. I'm out. I know that, that that's, that's it. Either way, I'm out of there. Uh, Mark, knowing the direction Steve's going, uh, heads out to the front. Um, after finishing his drink and uh, placing the cup on the table that we were supposed to sit at, um, meeting Steve in the alley uh, with a, a little tissue, not big enough to clean the mess, just a little, just just big enough to like say I gave you something. Little little bar napkin for your chin. I do my best to. Uh, I'll run into the the group out there. However, I have ordered two more beers and smuggled them out illegally. Uh, two roadies. I will need you to make a stealth check, Dan. Oh, it's my specialty, right? <laughs> yeah, I rolled a 13. On stealth, you succeed in sneaking the beers in up, up, up some type of sleeve, and there's just the correct amount of distraction between the bouncers and your exit that you abscond quickly with two fresh open beverages out into the alley. Uh, you see the rest of your group has congregated. Mark has handed Steve a, a small bar napkin. And Eric is looking genuinely concerned for Steve's well-being as he continues to collect himself. Oh, I'm going to spittle off my beard. <laughs> oh, fuck. Well, that was terrible. I'm going to get a real drink. I'm going to the empty keg for a Guinness. Let's go. I know some of the people there from, from class. We can get some homework done while... Uh... 
we're gonna go hang out with some more kids. Let's go to the go to the empty keg. Listen to Less Than Jake on the jukebox. Hang out with some more kids. Just for old time's sake. Eric is eager for this turn of events and joins suit, nodding happily as they follow Mark and Steve. Dan, are you covertly drinking your beers, or are you just being blatant about it at this point? Oh no, the first one I just down in the alleyway. Second one, uh, are we driving or uh, or walking over there? It's walking distance. It's about 200 feet. Oh, well then I just keep it under my coat flap. <sighs> and then about halfway, I just drink beers pretty much in one go. You've seen me. Uh, and then I just set it down like little marker trails so I can find my way back. All right. Uh, so you enter the empty keg and much as you remember in your undergrad days, it is still a bar of eccentric and eclectic people just generally there to either wash away their woes or act like fools. Uh, the pool table, however, happens to be open if anybody is up for a game. And it doesn't seem so crowded that you couldn't play uncomfortably. I'll play, but I bet I'm a terrible shot. Eric uh, joins you. So we got Dan and Eric racking up a game. Steve recovering from the boot and rally. I will get uh, some drinks at the bar, but I'll sit and watch as I just pretend to, I don't pretend, I actually chalk a cue um, the entire time that they're playing. All right, so I'm going to need contested, uh, let's go with education checks. Eric versus Dan. Dan. I got a 77. That's a failure. 83 here. So we watch as the two art kids, the art, the art kid and the history kid, who are now all grown up, never got good at pole. And the amount of scratching and just miscuing and double hitting and there is somewhere somebody is cringing watching these two play pole. But for the most part to the old heads and the people who don't really give a shit. It's rather entertaining to watch these two yuckleheads try and play. The night continues to drag on and drinks continue to flow. And all in all, the the vibe is very relaxed, very, you know, camaraderie and like reminiscent of the old times. Uh, you do eventually leave the keg and head back to the vehicle and you drive as a group back to your hotel uh, where you each go, but go to your rooms and relax for the evening and fall asleep. Steve, you wake up and the, the bed that you wake up in does not feel like the bed you fell asleep in. And you, you go to give a stretch and you realize that you're in a bed, but you're in a bed by yourself now. You open your eyes, and as you begin kind of scanning the room around you, it's oddly familiar, but it's familiar in a very past sense. Uh, you're actually lying in the bed on the first floor of 146 Meadville Street. The entire area surrounding you is your room at that white house while you were living there and it's it's just as you remember it it's all of the posters are in the correct places the one with the aliens that are 
matched into bullets. It's hanging on the wall. Everything is, you know, the dresser against the wall. Everything is there. You know, the light amount of clothes, clutter that you kept. It seems very, very lived in. Um, Mark, you awaken to almost the exact same situation, but it's instead the upstairs room that you had while you were living at 146 Meadville Street. Eric, you awake in a odd place. You don't remember any of this. This is all very awkward and very unusual, and it looks nothing like where you fell asleep, but there's a nagging insistence at the back of your head that this this is, should be a familiar place, and this should be a place that you recognize and know. Dan, very similar reaction to Eric awaking. Uh, you awake in a room that's very, very dark. There seems to be no windows into this room. And as you begin kind of scanning with the low amount of light that is permeating through the door cracks, you see kind of a grease-covered stain along the wall next to the bed that you're lying on. And you just kind of look around and you realize that the person <laughs> – who lived in this room kind of was disgusting <laughs> and did nothing to take care of anything in here. It's actually rather gross. Steve, you're the, actually the first one to wake up. So uh, what are you, where are you going? What are you going to do? Well, I wake up, I, I sit up, look around the room, see the curtains are, are drawn. Um, there's a, uh, Winamp visible on one of my uh, tube monitors and it's playing some song. The speakers have been turned off, but there's some playlist churning through thousands of songs. Probably meant there were people in the basement the other night. Kind of rub my face and uh, start to make my way towards the bathroom. So open up the door and step into the living room. So as you open the door and push it open, and Dan, you hear this kind of across through a closed door, just the the sound of two feet hitting the ground, and then the, the gentle sound of boom, boom, just bare feet across a wood floor, and then the creak in the of a door opening. Uh, but Steve, you open the door, and everything is covered in about two and a half feet of white foam. I look at this and just, uh, it's too early for this. Whatever time it is, it's too early. So I, I just, I just, I'm about face, walk out the front door and piss off the side of the porch. Uh, as you go to open the door to get into the foyer, it doesn't open. It just, no matter what you try, it's not opening. M Mark, Eric, from the upstairs, you hear the sound of the door going to the foyer from the first floor, kind of shaking and rattling a little bit. So I wake up and um, I roll to my right and look out the front window to see if I can see if anyone's at the front door trying to get in. Um, when I don't see that, I roll back over my creaky broken futon and 
um, as I hear the the gurgling of my uh, water cooled computer that Chad had built for me that I had been doing my animations on. I get up, uh, luckily had shorts on, and stumble past Eric's room, just banging on the door, saying, "Hey, do you know what's going on or where we're at?" Uh, Eric, you hear thump thump thump. As the person in the room next to you begins moving, tapping on the wall, asking if you know what's going on. Hey, who, 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 who's there? I stand up, walk, walk to the door, and, and open up the door. God damn it! Put some pants on. Jesus, every time. Uh, you. It's at this point you look down and you are nude, Eric, which was really not uncommon. I don't turn around. I don't even like miss a beat. I just look at him and go, "What?" Where are we? We're in our apartment, apparently. I don't know when it is or why we're here. Do you know, did we have a crazier night than I think we had? I, I just remember Steve was blowing chunks and then we went home. Huh. Dan, you rip open the door to see Steve trying to open the door across from the door you open. And again, just massive amounts of white light fluffy foam everywhere i slam open the door scream ah i think i've been date raped oh, so i'm gonna walk across into the kitchen through the foam and open up that that servant's stairwell that that random side stairway that connected the kitchens and yell what the fuck is going on up the steps you hear from the servant's stairway connecting the upstairs and downstairs kitchen, Steve's voice asking, what the fuck is going on? Eric, everywhere you're looking, you walk out of the room, you make a right, and you make another fast right, and you're in like this living room area that has some couches and some god-awful shitty-looking fucking chairs. And then it's a very open doorway kind of into this... 1960s yellow ass kitchen and you notice there is a slightly ajar door on the far side of the kitchen and that's the sound that uh, where steve's voice is coming from uh steve you're now up to your nipples in foam just kind of hip waitering your way through the kitchen area well i'm going to continue on to the bathroom and do what i intended to do when i stepped out of my room into this chaos uh, luckily enough, the bathroom door was closed and there's only like a handful of inches of foam that have pushed through the door. So you're able to piss in the toilet. Uh, as he's pissing, what are the other three of you moving around and doing? I'm looking for my shit. Uh, what shit are you looking for, Dan? My wallet, cell phone, keys, and the pack of cigarettes. That's desperately important at this point. You have your typical pack of cigarettes, lighter, keys, and a wallet. You don't have a cell phone, though. Uh, I'll light up a smoke. I'm sitting in this dingy room because I'm afraid of the foam. Uh, I don't know. It's just weird. I don't want to get it on me yet. And I'm thinking to myself, did I do ketamine last night? I always said I was going to do it, but I never did it. But maybe I did. And this is what happens. I, I'm assuming I'm, I'm Donald ducking it still and just... <clears throat> I'm not bothered by that. Uh, no, Eric is absolutely unbothered by his own nudity and just walks. Are you going to answer the call of Steve shouting up the stairs? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna start walking down, but I'm you know 
in an Eric way, I'm kind of looking around curiously around at everything, seeing if mm -hmm. I'm noticing anything odd. Uh, no, uh, in the upstairs, uh, no, uh, in the upstairs, it, it, the oddity of it is that everything is odd. You do not recognize anything that you're seeing, but there is this overarching nagging at the back of your skull that this should be familiar. So as Eric had walked into the other rooms, I peered to my left into the bathroom, just kind of pulling in that like this is definitely a blast from the past with the spongebob toilet seat and the fresh brown eggs sign above the toilet shaking my head i, I walked to the the stairway between or the hallway between the stairs and the living room and there it was this roster the roster that we'd uh, had to cover up when applying for the um, application to live there that had Eric's name on it when the landlord was saying I will never rent to another fraternity member again meanwhile I was pledging and he was already a member so I'm like this is weird Walk, walking through and see, like, looking behind the couch to see if Joe Brown was um, sleeping in her couch un unknowingly again um, that was hopefully uh, a nothing no Joe Brown Nice. So I, I walked down to, to find Steve and, and ask him what's going on as we normally do, hoping that he'd already started breakfast. Uh, Eric kind of led the way. Eric, you reached the bottom of the steps first and just ever all the decency that you lacked or you were suddenly now just covered in foam and you're suddenly ready for the day. Uh, up to chest high foam everywhere in the kitchen all through this room that you're currently standing in and mark you come down behind and you equally you it's almost eyeball level for you it's it's tall uh dan you're just smoking them away getting ready to go out into the kitchen uh i open the door watch the foam kind of flow in i guess and uh, proceed out i'm just smoking inside because i don't care at this point <laughs> so I'm just okay. Uh, I don't know where we're at, guys. It's about that time, Steve, that you finally, you know, finished up that morning piss, and the four of you are now standing in various levels of foam in the kitchen at 146 Meadville Street. Eric, god damn it, the dishwasher! Like Eric, god damn it. You can't put dish soap in the dishwasher. Deal with that. Open a window or something. Damn, put that fucking cigarette out. We don't smoke in here. Hold on. He just goes and I'll just throw it out the window. I'm almost done. Hey, Eric walks to open up the window. Uh, so you go to open the window and nothing happens. But oddly enough, as you go to look through the window, everything is pitch black outside and you can't see anything through the window. Um... Guys, did we take mushrooms? Ah, uh, maybe. I'm more of a rum guy. Not sure I would have taken mushrooms, but I remember we were at the bars last night. Did we? Uh, did we do hardcore drugs? Because I always said I'd do hardcore drugs, but never actually thought I would. But I would. So, yeah. Also, we don't smoke in here. Did you see that room I came from? That ain't smoke, buddy. There, there are. There are odors in there that are just mingling with, oh. You're any 
uh, activity, any actions that you'd like to try to do in the situation you currently are in? Well, I got to go out and find my car. So I go over to the door. Door's locked. Will not budge or open. Um, I flip the switch next to the door, which is the porch light. The flip, you flip the switch on, nothing seems to change. Off, nothing seems to change. Seems there's no, no change to the flipping of the light switch. I flip the switch on the opposite wall. No, no response when flipping the switches. So the kitchen light doesn't change. Nothing. I open the dishwasher. You open the dishwasher. So you can't find the dishwasher. As you're digging through all the foam and trying your best to ascertain where it's coming from, I need you to roll a spot hidden for me. Uh, 96. No matter how much you dig and try to get through, you cannot find the dishwasher. You keep finding cabinets and different things, but you can't seem to find the door to the dishwasher and all of the chaos and foam. Hey, did anyone see my phone? I'll go look for mine. I call, I'll call it. I'll make my way back to my room. Uh, you make your way through the phone back to your room in search of your phone. Uh, Eric's going to try and force the, the window as much as he can. Uh, you begin trying to force the window open, and as you're pushing, your hand just slips from all the all the residue and foam. And you've now realized that, yeah, you're walking in a plethora of soap. It is a overabundance of bubbles from misusage of soap. Steve, you're unable to locate any type of cell phone in your room. Um... I'm going to sit down at my desk to kind of throw my shoes and socks on, like whatever whatever clothes I was wearing the night before. Um, I'm going to, uh, you know, start moving the mouse and keyboard, get the computer to, to wake up, open up a browser or something. You shake the mouse, and rather than getting the normal computer response... You get the sound of like an eight bog modem, just a fax machine trying to rape a modem into submission. And it's just ear piercing and honestly begins to really fuck with you. And you eventually just kind of back away from the computer and just leave it. As soon as you back away from the keyboard, the sounds stop. Ah, another hard drive dying. Jesus Christ, I just replaced that one. All right. So I'm going to walk uh, back out. The, the door that I checked, was it the front door or the door into the foyer? Okay, so that's their well. I can't get to the front stairwell. The door into the foyer. Okay, so know. that's their well. I can't get to the front stairwell. No. Well, we can go All up right. through. You can come up to my our second floor and then go down. Because we could get out. Mm-hmm. But there was a door at the bottom of that stairwell also. We haven't checked it yet. You have not. Um, so I'm actually going to go up and around, uh, back through the kitchen where there's boxes of mac and cheese and Velveeta shells um, just laying around. As I walk through, there's a line of empty Jaeger and every other bottle you could imagine on a shelf so, sauntering down and I check the door at the bottom of the stairs. No budger. 
stair the doorway to the bottom foyer to the first floor seems to not be able to move and is steadfast and locked eric you're still in the kitchen just kind of watching the foam kick up around you i'm i'm looking around I'm trying to find where the foam's coming from roll a spot hidden check for me uh fail 80 80 you do not find uh where the foam is coming from but you do find an empty contain an empty uh bottle of dawn dish soap i pick it up and i hold it up and i say guys uh here's the soap anybody know where this is coming from what's going on here i think i'm still drunk uh Uh, okay, I'm wearing it with you in the kitchen. So we got this. Uh, somebody apparently put it in something. Uh, I'm still more interested in getting out. What about you? Dan, give me a spot hidden check in the kitchen. Sure. A 24. 24. So while everybody else is kind of doing investigations and searches, you are able to realize that all of the foam is not actually coming from the dishwasher, but it's coming from inside the drain of the sink. So you open up and you see where all the foam is coming from. And as you open the doors under the sink, you watch as a vortex begins to accumulate and all of the foam is sucked into the bottom of the sink. And after a few moments, all of you seem to be standing in the kitchen or your respective areas the foam is completely gone uh on the ground is a set of car keys do we recognize the keys them up. uh mark you do recognize these car keys uh these are a set of keys to a van oh that's weird um i know this van i know these keys uh I Eric- over to you Eric, these keys look very familiar to you, but in that same sense of uh, you recognize them, but you have no idea what they go to. And it, it just it, something about this entire situation is just not right. Uh, the fact that it's not a fob brings me back to we are not in Kansas anymore. The, the fact that you have to actually use this key that it doesn't have it's a fat key, metal key. Okay. I don't even know where this goes. I toss uh, Eric the keys. Uh, nude Eric, you catch the keys and you, again, kind of look them over. Um, Steve, in this time, would we say that you had made it back to the kitchen hearing the commotion of the foam disappearing? Yeah. Uh, as you're entering into the kitchen, you hear a, like a deadbolt slide open on the back door that you had tried previously. Anybody else hear that? Let's check the door. Uh, you check the door and it's now unlocked and it seems to open. I kind of open it a crack and then look back at everybody. Like, you, you, you seeing this? Everybody? Oh, yeah. I go up with you. I throw the door some... open. So as you throw the door open, you notice that on the wall right next to where the door is there is a piece of paper that seems to be stuck to the wall on the piece of paper you see the words 
Along the shore, the cloud waves break. The twin suns sink behind the lake. The shadows lengthen in Carcosa. Have I ever heard of Carcosa before? Make a history check. 29. You have heard the word Carcosa used in popular popular literature literature references. There have been multiple stories that have mentioned Carcosa in different short poems uh, involving the city Carcosa. Uh, you know that it is a city that resides next to a lake. It's obscure because supposedly Carcosa is on a planet in a different dimension in a different galaxy. Well, somebody here loves their self some, uh, some cosmic horror because uh, Carcosa is a reference to uh, a lot of cosmic horror stuff. Completely fictitious though, but He's looking around. Put on some pants. <laughs> Eric, you oh, are oh. still nude. Oh, sorry. Sorry, guys. Um, I guess we'll wait. Slam the door and look at the note. The lake isn't fictitious. That's over there. Oh, you guys have a lake? I don't like to check it out once he puts some goddamn pants on. So Eric goes upstairs and looks for some pants in his room. Easy enough, you're able to throw on some ratty old jeans with some holes in them. Uh, and, of course, uh, your shitty beat-up cap that you can't ever go anywhere with. You pull it very firmly down over your head, and you feel ready to brave this odd new frontier that you've stumbled into. So as you all collect again at the back door and throw it open properly... You look around to the familiar landscape of Edinburgh in the backyard at the White House. There is the driveway immediately to the side with the garage also uh, present. But a few things that you do immediately notice is that it is pitch black outside. Uh, There seems to not be any stars in the sky at all. And there also seems to be just the faintest bit of fog and mist that permeates and sits in the corners and in the very deepest of shadows everywhere that you kind of look. But for the most part, everything is status quo. It just seems like a super, super dark night, but with this low gray constant light that seems to be around you. Are streetlights on? Uh, They seem to be on, but again, they're not overly bright from what you can see, but there is a consistent level of vision that is somehow afforded to you. Oh, we must have really gotten into it last night. Is anybody else still getting visuals? It looks weird out here. <clears throat> I, I nod and stumble towards the um, garage. Can I open the garage? So in the process of you walking towards the garage, you turn and you see a silver van parked in that very hidden niche right next to the side of the house that you had to kind of walk around the corner to get able to be able to see. And again, it, the van is incredibly familiar, same silver van, same tannish gray interior, no seats except for just the very back bench seat and the front two captain's chairs. 
very familiar van to you, Mark. Uh, Eric, again, very familiar, but just can't put your finger on where you've seen this before. I walk over and I, I unlock it and look inside. Just kind of a relatively messy van. Uh, you're not really sure if whoever uses this van uses it to like haul stuff frequently and why there's no seats in it. Uh, there does seem to be like the random smell of like stale beer and maybe like a faint waft of like old smoke of some sort in the fabric. But this, the vehicle seems hail. You can, seems like it will run. We have a ride guys. What do you think? I think that's your shotgun. Oh, damn it. Snap my fingers. Uh, <laughs> I crawl into the, the side and just jump onto the back, uh, arms across, claiming the whole bench. Uh, Dan, you're, uh, Steve has already claimed that, so. Uh, well, I'll wander around and uh, just kind of sit in the middle. Very well. So the four of you have now entered, are in the van. Van starts without any trouble. Where do you want to go? Where do you want to go, guys? Where were we last at? I remember being in the bar district, which is by the one of two stoplights in the town. Do we want to head? Where were we playing pool? What was the name of that place? Empty Keg. Let's go there, see if we can recreate what happened after that. Very well. Not to mention, uh, what time well, is it? dog. Yeah, I'm. Do we sleep through an entire day? Like this is not adding up. Also, there's no stars, guys. Just to let you know. That's uh, it's generally not a good thing. I turn on the car uh, and put the radio on. Do we? Do we hear yeah. anything? Static. Oh, that's not good. Does anybody else think this is really freaking weird? Oh, yeah. This is terrifying. Okay. I'm definitely not. As I look down at myself now, realizing how odd this is, do I look different? Yes. You actually do look different. Um, you're a little thinner than you were when you last remember. Have a little bit more hair than you last remember. Uh, muscles seem a little tighter now that you mention it. You seem physically in pretty damn good shape, actually. Like... You feel pretty good overall. Interesting. Uh, we all suddenly too. become aware of the lack of aches and pains. <laughs> it, you know, now that you're kind of taking the moment and everything's settling in and the statement of just generally how odd this whole experience seems to be, you all do generally take in that the, you feel a little bit more vi vitality. You feel a little bit less shitty than you typically do when you wake up. Do I still um, have my beard? Uh, yes. Uh, your your beard did come with you. No. Okay. So I, I do one of these, and then one of these. Yeah. Uh, did we go to the barber shop last night? Like, where, where's all my hair? I, I'm missing large amounts of <clears throat> facial hair. And wait, wait a minute. What the shit? Yeah, I actually stretch out in the van fully. No scars on the knees. Back feels good. I'm like, this is too good to be true. This is insane. 
I'm staying. <laughs> so your plan is, and now that you've had the realization that you all feel revitalized and young, to move towards the empty cake. Is that the plan? Yep. Yeah. So, uh, who's driving? Eric is driving. How do you get there? Eric turns on the car and says, all right, guys, I'm going to need a little help. All right, hang a left out of the driveway. So Eric begins driving, and you go, and you go to hook the left out of the driveway, and you begin moving down the street like no problem. Uh, But for some reason, you're moving down the street, and you're going at like 15 miles an hour relatively, but you hear the sound of the engine just continuing to ramp up and ramp up and ramp up and ramp up. And it sounds like Eric has never taken his foot off of the gas and that the car is in neutral. And as you continue to rev and rev and rev and rev, you make it to right about where the pizza of the Burger King is and the engine just. The van has now died. Shit. Ah, oh boy. Why do you redline it here? Yeah, this doesn't seem like something you would do. Um, pop, pop the hood. I hop out. I, 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 pop, I pop the hood and hop out. Uh, so uh, as you as you begin filing out, you do see just the copious amounts of smoke pouring out of the engine bay, uh, <coughs> even around the hood. Uh, but Steve, more so than that, this is the first time you've kind of started to look around as you're moving, and you see people. But they're not people like you and the other three people who are with you. These are people as if they were made from smoke. And you can see their outlines as they move and as they interact and as they're moving around. And some of them get very close to you. But as they interact with the van or they interact with Dan as he falls out the side, he just goes right through that smoke person and they just continue moving as if they were completely undisturbed. Uh, looking around, you notice that all of these people seem to be preparing for something. Uh, chairs are being set on the sidewalk. There seems to be a lot of people generally to the sides of the road. And you notice that the area in the direct middle of the road seems to be clearing out of the smoke figures. Okay, so we're in the paranormal, guys. Uh, and homecoming. Uh, homecoming, a parade. Yeah, this uh, is I'll check the uh, glove box real quick. Is there like a flashlight or anything in there? Nothing. Um, looking around, do we see anyone that we know or others that would help us get the van out of the way? You three are the only ones who are actual corporeal people. Everybody else seems to be made of this ethereal smoke and is paying absolutely no attention to you. Uh, Mark, you're the last one because you were in the back to exit the van and kind of look around and get a full appreciation for everything that's moving around you. Uh, Steve, as you're leaning into the engine bay and the smoke is wafting and billowing out, you notice as the silver van just continues to billow smoke, then becomes smoke, and then dissipates and vanishes in front of you. 
the four of you are now left in the middle of the street with all of the smoke ethereal people lining the sides. Do we hear anything at all? No. Just the gentle, gentle sound of wind. Not not even violent, just a very, very calm breeze. I think I'm going to run back to the house really fast now. So you begin, you turn, and you begin running back to the house. Is anybody else following Steve? Uh, I look to the other two. I don't leave the van just yet. Well, the van has turned to smoke, but Steve, as you're running backwards down the street, you feel that vitality that's inside of you begin reversing. And the rest of you very, very distinctly watch as 10 feet away, Steve looks relatively the same. As he gets to about 20, 25 feet away, his hair has now grown to about eight inches, nine inches long, starting to get some scraggle of a beard. Still running, Steve? Um, Do I notice this? Make a... uh, Just make a random D100. We'll call we'll call this sanity. Ten. Yeah, you critically immediately are aware of the drag as the wind starts catching in your longer hair, and the more that you continue running, the more you feel yourself aging back to who you previously were. Um, stop running. Okay. I noticed this. Um. Does anything look different around me? Around you, yeah, everything I'm... looks the same as when you were coming down the street in the van. Well, how, how far did I make it? Where am, I, where am I standing? About 30 feet. We'll call it you're maybe 10 feet away from being directly in front of the driveway of the house that Jake and Cassie and Ramrod lived in. I'm, I'm probably just going to stop and stand there dumbfounded for a minute. And I'm going to approach him and see if the same thing starts happening to me. Sure enough, as you begin slowly moving towards Steve, you begin aging. And right about as you get to where Steve is standing, you have reached the age that you were before this hellish fever dream seems to have started. Seeing this happen to the two of them, I turn and start walking in the other direction towards the keg. Do you continue progressing towards towards town then I turn back no, cha- no changes to you okay um, I turn back to see what Eric does so they they sort of walk to- back towards the house right mm-hmm. they walk back the direction that you started from I want to start walking the opposite way and I want to I want to sort of you're walking towards Mark then yes ascertain whether I change in any way you and Mark both do not change. Uh, hey, guys, we might want to go this way. Seeing no uh, point in splitting up. Yeah. Uh, Turn around. Go back. So as you two reverse and begin moving back to where the van was, you feel your hair begin to shrink back and your beard begin to fade. The vitality that you were losing per step is returned to you and then you continue to catch up to Mark and Eric. Um, as I'm walking, I'm going to apologize just for a moment, guys, but I need to 
Uh, I need to do this. Uh, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed thou amongst women. And I, he recites the Lord's prayer as he's going because this is weird to mount. I always fall back on my grandmother's religion. Very well. Makes me feel better. Uh, so the group of you are continuing to move down the street towards the keg. Uh, you're able to make it past the fire station and you begin moving further down. But as you're moving, you realize it gets harder and harder to move forward as the parade has started in earnest as you're beginning to walk down the street and the force of all of the floats and all of the things coming down the street for the parade are pushing you from making steady progress towards the cake. Eric is going to walk up to one of the whatever shadow figures or whatever it is and kind of like try to touch it. Your hand just goes immediately straight through the figure. Does it notice me at all? Nope. Guys, this is really, really weird. Can we peel off to the side, walk along the sidewalk, get out of the yeah. flow? So as you begin moving out of the middle of the street, the progress becomes easier. Uh, there is a very distinct weirdness as you pass the wall of human, ethereal humans and break through and as you break through onto the sidewalk, you find yourself in an area where there is still a lot of that shadow and shade smoke person movement, but the movement that you're feeling is far less obstructed and you're actually able to kind of look around you and ascertain that you are still in Edinburgh and you are just on the outskirts of the stretch of town, uh, but it, it is definitely weird. Uh, that fog seems to be getting more dense and is now covering a little bit more of the entirety of the ground. Do we see any stray cats? Make a spot hidden check. Eighty-seven. You don't see any cats. Didn't think so. Chinese food. Um, do we see any, uh, openings in the fog or people that would look like a path to a spot that we'd want to go to? As you continue moving down, you do notice the opening of the hotel bar seems to be a busy area, but it seems to be busy in the sense of there seems to be people coming in and going out and coming in and going out. And it seems like you can actually pass through that doorway. I kind of put my arm out on Mark's shoulder for a second. I said, Dan, what did that note say again about two moons? Uh, let's see. <clears throat> uh, there was something about casting shadows. And we should have probably taken that with us. Did uh, one of you take it with you? Yes, it seems like something I would put in my pocket. Along the shore, the cloud waves break. The twin suns sink behind the lake. The shadows lengthen in Carcosa. Uh, twin suns. Mark's cat comment made me think of main moon. I thought two moons. Towers. Uh, Carcosa is a fictitious place on an alien world. 
However, right now I feel like I'm in an alien world. Don't know about you, gents, but this is pretty fucked up. Has anyone been to Lakeside recently? I've never been here at all. What are you talking about? Who's been here? Nobody's ever been here. <laughs> That's true. Well, we should probably bite the hair of the dog to see if it's just us with a massive hangover. How about the hotel? You, you, you seriously looking for a drink? I mean... Uh, that That's still the plan? I watched a van turn to smoke. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure all of you did too, right? And usually I have to pay good money for that kind of experience. <laughs> this is bullshit. So you, you gentlemen are going to enter into the hotel bar? Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Right. So you the group begin so the group makes their way down the street in towards the doorway of the hotel bar through the shadow apparitions and shadow people uh made of smoke. They enter through and a quick look around, it looks exactly as the hotel bar of olden days. A row of three booths to the left hand side. Immediately on the left as you enter the bathrooms, the large horseshoe-shaped bar dominating the middle area of the right side of the room with the large bank of windows going all the way around the curb. Past the booths on the left is the opening that leads to the back room of the hotel bar. And all around you, behind the bar and filling the floor and area around, are more of the smoke at smoke ethereal people in a very dense crowd seems to be a happening happening situation at the hotel bar right now i instinctively <clears throat> go behind the bar uh making your way towards the bar and you begin moving behind it you're able to move behind the bar and move around through the area without any difficulty but you don't notice that there's anything actually behind the bar all of the movements of the bartenders pulling drinks up, they seem to just bend, and then as they come up, the drinks are in their hands. But there's no physical beverages at the location as you're searching. Gentlemen, we have a problem. There's no beer here. <clears throat> as I scan around, I become furious because I see my photography on the walls that the, the crippled old Gallagher had stolen and claimed to be his own and sold the hotel i say we either have to start drinking now or we gotta get out of this place now wait uh, we uh we should probably figure a few things out like what's going on we have carcosa um and we have that note uh, maybe we should try to find some more did anyone try the internet anyone have their phone we could wikipedia this shit it didn't work i no. tried it at the house no phone. I uh, figured not. Is there a library here? There is. It's the biggest you, building on campus. You begin to hear shouting. The shouting starts as something indistinct, but then kind of gets to be louder. And you see the form of a rather robust-looking, ethereal smoke person coming around the bend of the bar behind the counter, pointing at Dan, saying, You can't be back here! Get out of here! And they begin moving towards you, Dan. Well, right over the bar. 
So as you vault over the bar, I'm going to need you to make a dexterity check or a jump check. Your choice. Okay. Well, I can't jump, so. Uh, 54. 54. Is that a success? It is not. You go to jump over the bar, and your foot gets caught on the lower ledge of the cooler. And as you go to jump, you kind of falter and step back. And as you step back, the man coming at you kind of envelops you. And you feel this weird and very strange sensation take over you. And suddenly everything you see, Dan, is in color. And you feel yourself being pressed into this into this body and into this psyche that is not your own and it is alien to you. And you see the visage of a very harried and worn out bartender behind the bar at the hotel, just doing their best to continue to sling ice for these, for these fucking people who will just not leave him alone. The rest of you, you watch as Dan's body lifts from the ground, very stranger things kind of eyes rolled back into his head as he begins to bend slightly and there seems to be something dripping from Dan's mouth and then it stops and he drops back down and suddenly Dan you're, you're back in the bar but you have overwhelming craving right now for two things the first one is a beer and the second one is a cigarette oh shit uh, well i could take care of one of these uh take out a cigarette immediately uh, pull it around light it up as you pull the cigarette out and you light it your entire body goes up into flames and you watch as Dan spontaneously combusts behind the bar. He is now a pile of ashes. Thank you for playing, Dan. Uh, Steve? <laughs> Holy shit. Eric? Uh, I'm running out of the bar. I'm out. Eric, run- okay. Anybody following? Oh, I'm out. I'm um, yeah. I'm catching, passing. Yeah, full track mode. Eric runs over to the ashes just to see like what. Does he see anything there, or like is it just? It's already starting to blow away. Almost as if nothing's there at all. All right, Eric follows him out. Follows everybody out. So. Steve and Mark, you exit the hotel bar and you're met with that same wall of smoke. And after watching what just happened, you you have a hesitation moment as you kind of freeze and stop before going headlong into the, the wall of people. Eric, however, does not have enough composure as they exit the door and he slams into the both of you, pushing both of you through the wall of figures and back out into the middle of the parade route, which, as you look around, is now full swing, marching bands on marching bands stacked on top of each other. It's just wave after wave after wave of lines of humans 
in the shapes of smoke humans moving closer and closer and pushing ever further for you to move either with them or back to the sidewalk. Uh, which way is the flow? Is it going towards campus or away from campus? It is moving towards campus, back towards 146 Meadville. I think in my frantic state, just being kind of shoved out into that, and that's the way the, the surf is going, I'm going to swim with it. I'm going to start heading that direction again. You begin kind of frantic. Okay. Eric, Mark. Can I see a path that would make sense to get to the other side of the street that might be clearer than the hotel? You do. You actually, it, but the path that you see does not go across the street. The path that you see actually cuts the bend of the curb past the fountain and leads more towards John's. That's the direction I'll go. You're heading that direction. Steve's following the flow of the parade. Eric, which direction are you going? <clears throat> this is a bit of a meta question, but what was... We had said that the um, Twin Suns... Is that familiar to me? Does that ring a bell at all? Not at all. Um, what about uh, the lake? Does that ring a bell at all? You can dwell on the lake, and you something in your head... You do recall there is a lake here, but the direction towards the lake would be to follow Mark, not to follow Steve. Then I'll, I'll start following Mark. Okay, so Mark and Eric, you begin making a very narrow but progressive track along the side of the parade route further into town towards the fountain at the corner. Uh, Steve you begin moving with the parade flow back out of town and you turn to watch as the two people you were with are moving in the opposite direction. I noticed that you do. Uh, how far am I down the street? Only about 15 feet now, but you're moving at like just a very general parade March. The pace is not incredibly hurried, but you are consistently moving forward. Okay. Well, seeing, uh, seeing my companions moving off, I'm probably trying to make my way to the sidewalk, trying to, you know, veer in that direction. Make a luck save for me. Seventy. You try to break through the wall of people in the parade and are just unsuccessful as you continue moving further out of town and you begin to feel the pull of your hair growing longer as you're moving further out of town. Would you like to try and again to get out of the parade route? Yes. Okay, so this is going to be considered a pushed roll. Oh, uh, in that case, no. Okay. You're going to continue to allow the parade route to push you further out of town? Um, my intent is to go down to the intersection and go to the uh, the lake via Doucette Hall and East okay. Street. Okay, so you begin moving back down the, the road, and you do, as you begin moving further and further and further to East Normal Street, you age rapidly, very, very, very rapidly, to the point that you're probably at a functional 80 years of age as you reach the corner of East Normal Street. 
Okay. You are you are able to easily extricate yourself from the flow of the parade route at the corner of East Normal and Meadville. Does heading towards the lake the East Normal increase my age? No. Moving down East Normal Street does not increase your age. I will do that. Very well. So we're going to leave Steve as he moves down East Normal Street to return to Eric and Mark as they begin moving further into town across the parade route, cutting in front of the fountain at the corner and moving towards the corner of where John's is, as well as a known location to Mark. Eric, this place also nagging familiarity to this corner in the this general area, but it just can't put your finger on it. So as we get closer to that sweet smell of John's, whether it's the grease, the pepperoni, or the French fries, you just you know thinking about it makes your mouth water because or makes your shirt dirty with grease from the calzone dripping on it. Um, you, you can hear the clang of plates um, just stacking up in the house. So I'm like, oh, the house. We haven't been to the house in a long time. Let's let's go there. I just, um, seeing Eric's confusion after the ash man, Dan, just disappeared. I just uh, grab him by the, the elbow and start pulling him towards the house. Uh, as you're pulling him towards the house, on the front window where the John sign normally would be with the very, very typical pizza slice emblem. You see another set of words scrawled poster-like on the front. Uh, These ones are different from the other ones. This poster says, strange is the night where black stars rise and strange moons circle through the skies, but stranger still is lost Carcosa. Can you say that one more time, Jeff? Strange is the night where black stars rise and strange moons circle through the skies, but stranger still is lost Carcosa. Does any of that mean anything to me? Make a... We'll call it a luck roll. 48. I think that's a success. That is a success. Immediately, the words don't register as meaning really anything directly to you and you begin to look around almost exasperated at the condition and what's going on and it's in this exasperation that you look up and you notice for the first time that there are stars you just didn't realize it because they're black they give off a very faint purple glow And you realize that the poem is talking about where you are. I know where we're going. Where should we go, Mark? You're making your way down East Normal Street. Very slow, very frail, very cautious. In your caution, you're making extra certainty of being aware of what's around you. So you begin and take very deep heed of the fact that there is a fog that is now 
covering the entirety of the ground. There is a a a, a lingering sense of urgency that something is happening and that you are on a timeline to get to somewhere. How far down East Normal Street do you go and which lake are you heading towards? I was heading towards Edinburgh Lake, but considering I am not getting any younger in that direction, once I see the familiar uh, white and green house and porch on 211, I make a left into that driveway and head towards the back of the church. Very well. So you begin moving through and heading in towards the back of the church. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong. 211. That was 211 East Normal? Yep. Uh, Which house was that? That wasn't the ZTA house, was it? It was two doors down from that, across from Compton. I got you. Okay. Uh, So you cut cut the left and begin working back the driveway, and you make it through without any difficulty into the open area of the church. And the open field in front of the church, uh, As you begin to walk on that sanctified ground, you feel the age that has been set upon you begin to reverse. You feel your vitality begin to flow back into you. And by the time you make it to the large cross, it's returned to you in a sense that you're now back to a what you would consider normal area of health but you you realize that your vitality and your age and the status of your body is very easily fluctuated in this area it's through this time that you've had walking that you realize that when dan lit his cigarette Whatever attacked him removed all the moisture from his body. That's why he can bust. So having these realizations and being at the church on sanctified ground, where would you like to go, Steve? All right. So I'm having this realization in the parking lot of of that church, Mm -hmm. essentially. Um, I'm going to continue on to High Street and make my way back towards where I last saw my companions. So out past the front of the church, onto the road, heading towards High Street. Yeah, Street. Yeah, that would be High and Meadville Street, correct? All right. So we're going to say you take High Street to Meadville and you begin cutting that angle by the PNC to get back onto the main drag of town. Uh. As you continue to make that path, the amount of time has passed that you are able to catch Mark and Eric, who are still standing in front of John's, contemplating the next passage of the poem that they've found. They're thankfully rather easy to pick out as the only other living beings in this area. I'm going to catch up to them and relay my thoughts about my experience and how the the rules of this realm work i'm gonna need you to make a power check to cross the street with the parade flow 
Uh, you are again swept into the current of the parade, but it's not nearly as bad as it was. Uh, I you can try another dexterity or other attempt to exit the flow of the parade just further down closer to the fountain or the hotel depending upon the success of either your dodge or what other role you would like to try to get out of the stream can, can um, i'm gonna try and, oh. <clears throat> can eric try and go and like grab him like to you help can, him see you can't take, take that edit assisted Uh, sorry, what was that, dodge? Yeah. Do I win ties? You do. Did I win? Yeah, so you all you got to do is match the number. Yep, regular, uh, with, regular pass. With, with Eric's help, you're able to get out of the flow of the parade before you make it to the fountain. Uh, he pulls you forward back to the John sign, and you also get the chance to read the passage. Strange is the night where the black stars rise and strange moons circle through the skies, but stranger still is lost Carcosa. Guys, I think we should head into the house. I think there's something in there that's calling us. Familiar ground sounds fine. I don't know about this Carcosa business, and we don't have Dan anymore to help us. Let's do it. So the three of you move past the front of John's and back the alley towards the two apartments that were colloquially known as the house. Uh, in the area of that alley that opens up before the doors, you see an open area that's lightly covered with fog, but not as dense as the other areas that you've been moving through. Uh, there also does not seem to be any uh, smoke figures moving through this area. So do you take the apartment door on the left or do you take the apartment door on the right if you are standing with your back to John's looking at the pair of doors? I'd probably go to the left because that's the door I always went to first. I would for go to the various right. reasons. So we have one vote left and one vote right. Eric, which both. way does your gut tell you to go? Uh, could I? Can I expend like a luck point to figure it out to to decide which one or something like you that? You can. You can roll a luck check. Yeah, I'll do a luck check trying to rack your brains to clear the fog of why this is all so goddamn familiar to you. 44. 44, so 6. You remember, this is the house, and you lived on the right side. I will go through the right door then. Steve, Mark and Eric line up to take the right door. Are you going to take the right or the left? I'm going to go with the left. You're going to go with the left again? Just yep. as, okay. We'll check them both. Very well. So we're going to go, up. we're going to go with uh, Mark and Eric first. You open the door on the right hand side and it swings open almost without effort. Uh, you step into a long hallway that seems to be lined with plywood boards. 
the bottom of the boards are painted like a very deep red, while the tops of the boards are painted white. Uh, immediately as you enter the door, there's a set of stairs that turns after three steps, 90 degrees, and heads to an upper area of this specific apartment. In the hallway, there is a door immediately to the left, and at the very end of the hallway, there seems to be a pair of chairs and an open doorway that leads to what seems to be a dark room. <clears throat> Return to Eric. Which way do you want to go? Uh, you know what? <clears throat> Eric's going to follow his gut again and do it. Can I do another luck check to sort of go get a sense of what I. Go ahead. Uh, fail 67. 67. So you're going to take a moment and you're really going to sit and think about this and kind of really ruminate as Mark stares at you expectingly like, hello. While that's happening, Steve, you try the door to the left-hand apartment and you find it locked. But you notice uh, right above the keyhole, there's a very faint scratching that says password. Um, I knock three times. How thud. do you do that? Thud. Thud. You hear the distinct of a bolt slide. With uh, hesitation and rising, rising fear, I open the door you open the door into a very familiar scene uh there's a kitchen uh galley kitchen immediately to the left with some cabinets and a sink immediately to the right as you enter the door there's some coat hooks and some random shoes directly in front is a large sectional in an l shape with a glass table in the middle and all around you is just plumes of smoke densely sitting against the ceiling. Uh, make a spot hidden check for me. Pass. Pass. You notice that there is no ceiling in the back corner of this room. The smoke would typically obscure this, but you can tell that there's a difference, that there's nothing in the ceiling on the corner. You notice that straight back from the front door, there seems to be a series of small doors. And then after a few steps in and looking to the left, there's another hallway with a series of doors breaking off of it. So I'm going to take note of the ceiling, but I'm here for a purpose. I'm going to go to one of the middle doors in the main room, and I'm going to feel around under the mattress in that room. What exactly are you feeling for? Sipos's Glock. <laughs> you enter Sipos's room and you find the Glock under the mattress. Excellent. While, while this is happening, Mark looking expectantly at Eric as Eric goes, yep, I know where I'm going to go. Eric begins walking straight down the hallway, stops at the first door that he comes to on the left, and turns as if he's going to go walk into that door. 
I stop him and say, what are you doing? You know that's not your room. I, I stop and I say, well, which one is, which one is my room? It's the furthest one from that door possible. And I start walking forward past him, turn right. So you watch as Mark passes you and walks towards the two chairs, and then he makes a severe right-hand turn, and you notice that that hallway doesn't end at the end where the chairs are. As you continue moving, you look to the left into that open darkness, and there's a set of stairs that lead downward into a basement, and directly to your right is a set of double saloon doors that lead to a urinal. But Mark has not taken either of these. He's going straight through the other door that is past the doors to the urinal and into what looks like a living room with a couch against the wall immediately as you walk in and what seems to be a terrarium in the middle left side of the room. Do do I have any... Do I... <clears throat> You know, I'll follow Mark. I, I, do I have any inkling of recollection of where I am or, or, or where I, I feel I need to go? Uh, you do not, you have a familiarity and you're remembering that you did live here. But the details of everything still are super, super hazy. Maybe I'll start walking towards the basement. Okay. Uh, Mark, you see Eric kind of look behind you and then kind of pause in the doorway and turn towards the basement. Where are you heading as you move through the living room and kitchen? Um, I'm going to walk underneath the hammock mm -hmm. and glance over as I'm pretty sure I remember hearing the, the sounds of Halo um, humming through uh, the theme as I get to the kitchen and open up the fridge to look for a beer. Uh, so as you duck under the hammock and you hear the oh in the background of the Halo music, the TV does kick on. And on the TV, rather than seeing the typical scroll of the Halo game screen, you see another block of text. This text says, Songs that the Hades shall sing, Where flaps the tatters of the king, Must die unheard in dim Carcosa. And then below it, in almost like a scratched, etched on the glass, It etches out Beware of the king. As this is happening, uh, Eric, you stopped before heading into the basement as the TV turned on and witnessed all of this happening, including the ghost etching on the glass of the TV. Mark, this is getting weird. Where's Steve? Where'd Steve go? Steve, I, I, I'll scream out Steve. Right about that time, Steve, you found the Glock. You find the clip that C-Post always kept handy. 
uh, you hear the shouting for your name. And you stand up and turn to exit. And as you turn to exit back into the main room, standing in the corner underneath the opening of the ceiling is a very, very large-looking humanoid. Very similar to the shape that attacked Dan. But this time, they're wearing a hockey mask. And they have a machete. And they're wearing Theta Chi letters. And you watch as they raise the machete above their head and say, That fucking door's coming down! And charge at you. Okay. Um, can I, uh, quick meta, the Game Master, can I get the uh, skill damage attack range for the block? You don't need it. You have the gun. You pull, ready, steady, and fire. One shot's all it takes dissipates the entire smoke apparative beating as you, you shout out for steve you hear the recourse of a cock gunshot from the apartment next door that's steve. terrifying because that entire house was made of like stacks of paneling like that bullet went through like four rooms <laughs> uh the apparition is no longer in front of you steve but you do notice that there's a new one forming back the hallway you didn't come right outside of the last doorway on the left next to it's the door no it's just forming now next to the doorway that always was open all right well um i'm going to take a take a chance that doors coming down triggered a a deep a deep memory. And before the thing is formed, I'm going to get to that door and I'm going to kick it down. Very well. So as you run forward and you pat, step over the smoke entity, you lean back and you kick with everything you got. Give me a power check. I succeed. You lean back and blast that door open as hard as you can, kicking the entire door to splinters with the action. It opens into a very, very small closet of a room with a futon on the bed for a bed and a mess of just posters and random bullshit all throughout it. Uh, anything specifically you're looking for in the room? Um. Can I just do it a general investigation? Anything that, that stands out to me? Because like, I'm, I'm, I'm generally aware of the... Ooh, 10. Yeah, that's 10. A, that's it. That's a... Yeah, that's in the fifth. Yeah, so that's an extreme success. Uh, quickly looking through, you notice a multitude of different Notre Dame paraphernalia. You notice a multitude of different just Pearl Jam posters, grunge clothing, <laughs> just a multitude of dirty, dirty things. Whoa. But all the way on the back, you find a folded piece of paper. And something about this piece of paper to you is just immensely important. And so you pick it up. And as you pick it up, the smoke demon that was forming dissolves completely and no longer is trying to reform. 
Uh, you guys hearing the gunshot, what have you done? Jack, can you help me with the, the, the sort of the layout? So <clears throat> there, there's the long hall that we went down. Mm-hmm. There's the, the hallway that goes down into the basement, right? So let it, the hallway length is about 15 feet. Uh-huh. At the end of that 15 feet, it's maybe a six-foot section of walkway. Yep. Just wide enough for like a hallway, a urinal, the next room. So the the U-turn you made at the end of the hallway was very narrow. The doorway leading to the basement was at the apex of this U going down. Gotcha. And and do we hear, we heard the gunshot. Is that, I'm just trying to orient myself. Is that back down the hallway? It would be, so direct would be literally through the walls across from you was where you heard the gunshot from. To get there, you would have to backtrack where you're from or attempt to go through the door that Mark said was not your room. (laughs) Sounds like Steve's in trouble. Should we go help him? Yes. We should get him out of there. Doesn't tell me he's doing... Uh, well for himself, but he did find something good. I don't remember having ha- him having a gun. Uh, Mark walks uh, back towards Eric and heads towards the uh, front of the house. Very well. As you begin moving to the front of the house, you're able to easily open the door back into the alley and begin moving. Are you continuing to move to the other apartment? I'm going to shout for Steve. Steve! Steve! You hear shouts of your name. I'm good. I, I think it's safe over here, at least for now. I found something. What did you find? We haven't finished searching over here yet. I'm just going to start walking back over then. I'm going to yell okay. between the walls. So Steve leaves the apartment on the left and rejoins you in the in the apartment on the right. Uh, and he shows you the folded piece of paper that he found in the room, as well as the gun. Oh, you should definitely check out the TV. The thing was flickering and has some, some weird shit on it. Uh, so Steve, you get to see the TV and you see the same the same words on the TV that the others had seen. Do you need to repeat it or no? Yes, please. Songs that the Hades shall sing. Where flaps the tatters of the king must die unheard in dim Carcosa. And then etched into the glass of the TV is beware the king. Do I hear any music? You do not. The music stopped as the etching in the glass started. Mm-hmm. Did it have a uh, tone or um, something familiar? Maybe end of a party type of sound? It did not. Mm. Um, I gestured to Eric to continue through the kitchen into the next door. 
you go to open into the next door and as you try to open the door at the end of the kitchen, it swings open and inside is just a blank white room. Hey guys, this is all weird, but we're not in Kansas anymore. This room was never white. Anyone leaving this room would also never wear white. Does Eric remember anything with respect to this room? Roll a sanity check with disadvantage. How do you do disadvantage again? Do I do it twice and get roll, the roll the Roll two tens dice together and take the okay. higher of the two. Gotcha. Can we get that edited in post? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. One second. Let me do redo that. Oh, fuck. Uh, it's a failure. 78. A failure. Uh, as Eric is standing in this room concentrating, you see the walls begin to flicker and they start flickering to black and, and then to red. And then you, you see like a, a, a snake tank show up very briefly and then vanish again. And nothing seems to hold in this room though. It just remains a blank white area. Guys, there's something about this room. I, I, I have a, I have a, there's something about this room. Do I see any furniture or anything that I would recognize or could help decipher the messages or why this room is acting so odd compared to everything else? Make a spot hidden check. Nineteen. That's a hard success. Yeah. So as you're standing just outside of the white room, kind of by the kitchen sink in between the fridge, you begin thinking and trying to piece together what's happening around you. Why is this the way it is? What is going on? And you look straight ahead and on the wall right next to the door frame where you mentally know you should see an entire list of names you see a list of names and you see kareem knowles and you see a few other names listed but where eric woods should be there seems to be an outline of eric's name but there also seems to be like some eraser marks almost like the reality that you're living in has not been completely written As you're ruminating on this, you hear a loud 
Thud, thud, thud. Thud, thud, thud. Open up, it's the cops. Thud, 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 thud. This is your last chance. We're breaking the door down. What are you doing? I looked at Eric and be like, the door's been broken for quite some time. Um, I'm gonna... Don't think, just follow me. And I run around the corner, down the hall, up the stairs to the second floor. Okay. Is anybody following Steve? Eric calls Steve. Mark goes to the basement. Mark goes to the basement. All right. So as Eric and... Steve, make the turn and begin running up the stairs. Mark makes the right-hand turn out of the living room and begins down the basement. Mark, I need a dexterity save from you. Those basement stairs were quite hazardous. <laughs> Those things were hazardous. Uh, 33, so it's a success. You succeed where you went to step on that tricks on that tricky step from close to the bottom. Instead of stepping on it, you jump over and clear the side, making the left-hand turn off of the steps and into the basement. And you begin looking around. And all the lights are on. And you see all the people that are there start dancing. And you hear now the sounds in your ear. And you hear the sounds of the party. And you hear the, the sounds of the people and the music. And you hear the tunk of the plastic ball hitting the plastic cup and the shouts and as you're looking around the room begins to fill and you see that all of these memories that you think you're hearing are now showing up around you so you walk a little further in and around the corner of the basement you see the white freezer that's just busted to shit and filled with lukewarm old german and busted bags of ice and then on the tile bar next to the cooler are random plastic cups filled with colorful jello and other varieties of shots and liquors and you feel this compulsion take over you mark like yeah and you feel your young self just slowly start to slide into your into your normal routine and you kind of feel it you're getting in the groove, baby. Yeah. And you hear Bebop behind the ones and twos spinning the records. And then next thing you know, Danny comes up to you. Oh, my God, Mark. I'm so glad you came to the party. Ah, and she just drapes herself over your shoulder. <laughs> Steve and Eric, as soon as you turn to go upstairs, you never saw Mark again. And it was evident as you were moving up the stairs and cleared the cleared the hallway and began walking up, the front door exploded inward. Uh, Mark, you do hear as the last thing in your mind is that loud explosion of the door pushing in before you find yourself enjoying a jello shot and an old German with a pretty blonde hanging off of you. And the sounds of your fraternity playing in your ear. You never leave the basement, Mark. As the door busts open, 
Mark and Steve barely making the movement up the stairs, they can feel the rush of wind as the as the spirit and smoke police officers begin barricading through the front door and down the hallway towards the basement steps. Uh, you both make it very easily to the top of the steps, make the hard right at the top, pass the open door to the bathroom on your right, and enter into the large bedroom at the top of the stairs. Where are you doing? To be fair, I'm doing? not sure that bathroom had a door, so. That's pretty fair. I'm gesturing urgently for Eric to follow me. I look around. I'm trying to find the window. You do. You find the window to climb out onto the roof. I do that post-haste. Eric uh, follows quickly. Open, open the window without much trouble. You're able to get through the window and onto the roof. You're now standing on the roof looking out over the alley and the back parking lot of John's and the old fraternity house. Uh, the first thing that immediately catches both of your attention, the fog at this point has now gotten to a density on the ground that you can no longer see the ground itself. Immediately to the left in the parking lot, you can see a running van that's just with the headlights on ignition turned on running in the parking lot. Also looking around, it seems to be like a eight foot or better jump to clear the roof that you're on. If you were going to jump over to the John's roof, Steve and Eric, what are you doing on the roof? Where's the van again? Uh, and the, if you were coming out the window, it's in the back parking lot of John's. So it's parked in that row where the dumpsters is, where's the laundromat? Yep, where the laundromat and that row of apartments on the left, it's in that lot in the back. Is the uh, is the dumpster there? The dumpster is there. I'm going to go to the corner of the roof near the dumpster. Can I see the ground? You cannot. As you look down, all you see is fog. We got to make the jump, Steve. Is there a gutter on that corner? There is not. How far from the to the dumpster? Quick jump, probably seven feet down, probably five feet out. If you get a good run, you could definitely probably make it. But it's it is going to be a check. Okay, um, I'm gonna look at Eric, kind of kind of frantic. I'm gonna glance at the window. Do I hear or see anything going on on the upper floor? You see what seems to be flashes of light moving in the hallway as it looks like flashlights almost coming up the stairs since that that's the only window looking at me though right there's mm -hmm. like that one, there's one window okay so quickly i grab a handful of roof tar and smear it all over the window so they can't see us okay and then i'm gonna turn tuck the glock into my pants and go for the leap so i need you to make a jump check Oh boy. Where's my jump? I need to know where is it? Oof. Oh, yes. Uh I got no I just normal six no. Actually, yeah, I got better than half. So I got a normal success. Yeah. So you land and you make the jump to the dumpster, and as you land on the dumpster and you roll off, you land on the ground. And you're up to about mid-thigh in a dense, swirling fog on the ground. Uh, you look around momentarily, 
Uh, you look back up at Eric, who's up on top, and kind of as you go to give him like the thumbs up gesture, you feel your legs wiped clean from underneath of you, and you're dragged wholly back towards the running van without any chance of reaction. Eric, you watch in horror as Steve is dragged across the mist like a bullet, slamming into the van, causing the fog to dissipate and revealing the red letters of the Edinburgh University van that Steve has just slammed into that is running. The door opens and pulls him inside of the van as it's running and drives off with him, knocking all of the fog out of the way as the cop cars ephemerally chase after the van that is just drone off, drove, driven off with Steve inside of it. Steve, thanks for playing. Well, shit. Eric is going to make a jump for John's. So, Eric, I need you to make a jump check. 36. Uh, very, very successful. Make a long jump leap and without even looking any more at the parking lot or the fog or the ground, Eric begins moving steadily running across the top peaks of the roofs, bounding from building to building down the main drag of the Edinburgh streets until he reaches the end of the tall series of buildings, right where the railroad car diner on the corner is. And as he stands on the tallest of buildings, he looks across and in the quick fill gas station, hanging from the gas station roof is a large bed sheet. And written in blood on the bed sheet is Song of my soul, my voice is dead. Die thou unsung as tears unshed. So dry and die and lost Carcosa. And then Instead of Carcosa being written on the bedsheet, there's a makeshift metal sign that has been stuck onto the ground with Carcosa written on it and an arrow pointing further down 99 past Quickfill towards the lake. I'm, I'm going to bolt that way. So you find a ladder and you begin to clamber down the side of the building you begin moving as best as you can, trying your damnedest to avoid heavy patches of fog or any type of area that seems like you may be attacked or absconded from. But as you get to the road, the fog begins to roll away from your feet. And you notice that the obscuring, dense layer of clouds that have been covering the ground are now forming a roadway for you to follow in the direction of Carcosa, as the sign has pointed out. Do you continue running? I continue running. Nice you light run. jog, as if I were running a marathon. You run, steady paced, feeling your feet hit the ground rhythmically, keeping your breath, maintaining a consistent pace. As you pass the Quickville, you pass the remnants of the town of Edinburgh in this dreaded reality that you're in you come to what seems to be the edge of the lake you look around you and are completely driven to a different plane of existence 
as the realities that you understand and know are ripped from you. In the reflection of the lake, you see a city of alien towers, both in immense grandeur and crumbling in in decay at the same time. You see two suns setting equally on either side of behind the city in a sky of red filled with black pinpricks of stars. Right at the edge of the water where the reflection of the city lies is a rowboat. The fog bank leads directly to the rowboat. What are you going to do? I read like shuffle my hat and walk over to the rowboats and get into it. As you begin approaching the rowboat, you get to about 15 feet away and you watch as a figure rises from the water, seemingly unmoving in the sense of a normal human movement, but just glides from a flat perspective to an upright perspective and then begins moving towards you past the boat. The figure is wearing a deep amber yellow hood and cape with large moving alien symbol prominent on the chest. You cannot see any aspect of skin or flesh as the deep shadows of the cow hide this, this being's face and the sleeves are far too voluminous to reveal their hands. You get to a feeling of about six to eight feet away from the creature when you feel an eminent presence to stop moving. You are now standing off against the figure. Who are you? What do you want? A long and hollow breath is drawn by the figure. Questions and questions. So much time to be wasted so much time to gain here on the shores of my city you know not who i am but i know you i know where you've come from what do you want what do you want with us is not what i want from you but you, what you have summoned of me, traveler. You stand at the crossroads. Your journey to here has been complete. Now the decision must be wrought. Choose. I'm going to pull an Eric and I'm going to walk towards the boat. You walk towards the boat. You enter the boat and the figure walks with you, touches the stern of the boat ever so gently and begins moving you out into the lake. And Eric, as you embrace the reality and the alien and the horror of everything that you've experienced and you begin rowing with a very gentle back and forward motion, of the oars dipping and turning. You feel that gentle shake of somebody waking you up. And you open your eyes and you rub them gently. And 
turn and Kay is here with you and you're back in your hotel room and you have a massive headache. You have to get up. Ah, come on. What the heck? Come on, get up, Eric. I'm so tired of you doing this to me. Eric, you know that I hate when you ignore your phone. Oh my gosh, I was texting you a million times and I didn't hear anything. I thought you fell asleep on the sidewalk or passed out or got punched like that other time. Eric, this is not like back in that days whenever like you and I and Mark and everyone was hanging out and we got to be able to get drunk and hang out all night long and not have any responsibilities in the morning. We have so many responsibilities. Ah! With every ounce of what remains of his shattered mind, Eric tries desperately to recall the events of last evening and piece together the horrors that he, he is certain that he experienced. He doesn't recall ever having anything alcoholic to drink last night, so this pounding headache he is feeling seems to have come from nowhere at all. Searching around, Eric is able to find his pants and then, with some fumbling, locate his cell phone. He goes through the regular process of unlocking his phone and opens up the Discord server to see if Mark, Steve, or Dan have surfaced yet for the day. Confusingly, the conversation that he had been going on between the four of them was nowhere to be found. Groggily, he mutters, Hey, Kay, was Steve or Mark with me last night when I got dropped off? What about Dan? Was he back here too? I turned back around and looked at you. I am not sure who Dan is, babe. But it has been almost 12 years since Steve and Mark passed away in the accident. Kick ass in the marathon, buddy. Keep running.